There have been so many changes in the last two years, and they have come so fast. I'm totally bewildered. I don't know where the heck movie making is going. Have you been wondering too? Well, stay tuned, because in this episode, number 2118, the CG Bros will be doing a deep dive into that subject when they answer the commonly asked question, where is movie making headed in the next two years? On the CG Bros CG Insider Podcast. Hello and welcome to the CG Insider Podcast. I'm Sean Johnston, one of your hosts for this podcast. And I'm Bill Johnston. And we are the CG Bros. Who doesn't love movies? But have you gone to a movie theater lately? Probably not. So where are you watching them? On Netflix, Amazon Prime, YouTube, Instagram? What effect is this having on the movie making industry? Well, the CG Bros are going to answer these questions submitted to thecgbros.com by DeAndre J of Portland, Oregon. DeAndre asks, where is filmmaking headed in the next two years? This question is especially relevant because of the way COVID-19 has completely disrupted everything, including the way movies are being watched and how they're being made. And by the end of today's podcast, you'll learn about how virtual production techniques are being used and how AI is helping out movie makers to produce movies that are cheaper and faster and hopefully better. You'll also come away knowing not only how game engines are beginning to really take over the heavy lifting as it relates to virtual production, but also how game engines are changing the face of VFX production. You'll also learn some fascinating facts about how virtual actors and virtual sets and environments are used in the process as well. We're also going to give you our personal take on what to expect in the coming years when it comes to the art and craft of movie making. You know, this is a pretty broad subject and we're going to try to stay focused. So let's begin this podcast, Sean, by talking about how COVID-19 has created, you know, not only challenges, but opportunities as well for the movie making industry. Well, I mean, to start off, obviously, um, a lot of the theaters have been shut. So, um, I mean, we can't go to the theaters. So until just recently, I think, at least in California, we can now start going to the theaters, but it's in small small amounts of uh, individuals can actually be in the theaters. But, you know, sadly, um, I think it's uh, permanently altered the production and distribution of uh, viewing movies. And, um, and unfortunately, Arch, Archlight Cinemas or Arclight Cinemas and Pacific Theaters just now, um, I just read just recently, which owns about 300 locations across Southern California, including the famous uh, Cinerama Dome in Hollywood, is uh, closing permanently. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's pretty sad. Um, so well, AMC is still in the running. I know they opened up all their theaters. Uh, yeah, and I think, uh, I'm not sure if Edwards is open, uh, locally here. Um, are you, do you, had you heard anything about Edwards? No, I have not. No. Well, hopefully they, they, uh, will start opening up more and more as, uh, you know, more and more people as COVID starts going down. Um, I hope, but, uh, you know, it's in the, as a result of that, uh, the obvious thing is, uh, you know, we said streaming has been exploding. And the thing that that's been that I've been noticing is, is you know, speaking strictly for myself, is that I've been watching way, way more movies uh, online uh, than I ever have um, and binge watching. Um, so I'm going through I think we're going through the crown right now, I'm, you know, watching all the different movies. I think uh, my son uh, just uh, started watching the, the latest. Um, uh, what was that? Uh, What's that ultra violent game? Um, bill that they play where they rip each other's um, uh, oh, body uh, bodies apart. 
Is that Mortal Kombat? Yeah, Mortal, Mortal Kombat. Kombat. Yeah. I, I don't play those games. Um, maybe I would have when I was a little bit younger. I was playing Wolfenstein and and, and Quake and those kind of those kind of games a long time ago. But uh, well, we used to play Mortal Kombat at Sony uh, when we were both working there. Didn't uh, on Fridays we five o'clock we'd go into uh, shut our office door and was not wasn't that more no that wasn't Mortal Kombat that was um, what was that uh, where was we it? get our characters in battle? I can't, was it Mortal Kombat? Well, I, I, never, I didn't play that. I, I was, you know, we were playing, I think, um, man, at that time was, uh, I couldn't even tell you, it was probably, um, um, well, it, when I was at Sony, I didn't really have time to play many games, um, but because we're doing, because it was, well, it was for the PlayStation, I didn't have any dev kits. Oh, yeah. So, um, I know you had a dev kit, right? Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah, so... I mean, I guess we kind of played a couple games. I, it, yeah, I don't remember, man. It's been so long. Gosh, that was back in, that was before two thousand and one. Yes, and you know, it's really interesting that uh, you know, since since movies aren't, uh, you know, since theaters haven't been open, you know, not as many movies. Uh, it seems anyway, not as many movies are being made, at least from Hollywood. You know, I know that the, there's been a lot of, you know, demand for content on some of these other platforms that we mentioned just a little bit earlier. Um, and that's that's really kind of driving everything. Uh, it, it's there's a, there's a paradigm shift really going on, and I'm I'm wondering if, you know, I, I don't really call Netflix Hollywood, but I guess they're they're all kind of related. Uh, but uh, Hollywood is is really suffering. I mean, to to make a lot of money, you got to have your movies go out to you know movie theaters. At least that's how the, what the model was in the past. And I think this whole COVID thing is is shifting shifting the entire model. Uh, to, to streaming over to streaming and and that's that's going to be the main thing i think even though that they're opening up theaters and you know i don't know if that's going to be enough to save the industry as a whole i i i kind of wonder you know my my kids you know they they we used to go to the movies you know and we'd say oh i'm going to the movies but kids today they don't they don't say they're going to the movies they're they're, they say uh i'm i'm going to go see a movie you know it's not like they there, the movies is a thing. It's just if there's a certain movie they want to see, they might go to the theater to go see it. Uh, but you know, as far as my kids are concerned, I, I, my kids spend you know hours a day watching their you know stuff on their phone. You know, and a lot of it is you know little bits of nothing. You know, and they right. spend hours doing that. So I really have to wonder what effect this is having and how they're going to adapt uh, to the changing demo. You know, not only the changing situation that COVID has provided us, but the the changing uh, cultural environment that that you know our kids are growing up in. I mean, they have shorter attention spans. They, you know, they they don't really watch a lot of movies. Honestly, uh, my kids don't watch a lot of movies unless it's a, you know, a bit one of the bigger movies, and and that's kind of, you know, a quandary as well as, you know, in order to have, you know, people want to go see something in a movie theater, it has to be more, you know, a blockbuster. It can't be one of these, you know, uh, artsy fartsy so- ones. Yeah, artsy, if if you will, yeah, artsy fartsy ones are, are ones that that don't appeal to a huge broad audience, right? Uh, the more and, niche, and because these, yeah, because yeah. the movies are so expensive to create, you know, to to create, and mm-hmm. so you got to get some kind of ROI on that. And uh, my kids just don't watch movies. Um, you know, they, yeah. they they binge they binge watch like you, right? And I know that um, you know large percentage, and you know, not to belabor the issue, but. A large percentage of the uh, the studios um, take for a film to get cooped back was you know I think it was 50 60 percent was th- through the theaters for the first um, three months mm. um, but you know I, I, I kind of believe that the theaters are once they start opening back up again they're gonna they're gonna need to compete with the stay at home uh, by offering you know some type of new experiences there whatever those may be 
um, you know, having you, uh, I, I haven't even heard of some of the things they may be offering. Um, have you heard of anything, you know, to try and get people back in there, some type, type of uh, experience? Well, I think they're, they're looking at, uh, what, uh, I've seen some, some, uh, you know, rumble seats or, you know, stuff that, you know, seats that shake when, when something exciting is happening on the screen and it kind of gives you that immersive type experience. I've even heard of some theaters, you know, putting in like, s- s- uh, smell a vision if you will where you know if you're going <laughs> kind of like this the ride at disneyland uh, right uh, air, air over america or flying right flying, flying over america or whatever it is um where you know if you're if, if the you're flying over pine trees they, they you know you get this the ventilation system spits out some pine scent you know and or the orange groves yeah exactly exactly yeah so it, it has to be something but i don't i don't even know if that kind of technology is going to if you can call it technology, it's going to bring people back to the theater. Something, something big has to, has to take place, in my view. Yeah, I agree. I agree. We'll move it and along. Is well, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, and, and not only does does is is uh, the COVID situation affecting you know movie goers, it's it's creating it's creating a real problem for you know just the making of movies. You know, the sudden shift to uh, working remotely, you know, means that the studios have to come up with a different way to get things done. Um, you know that they they have their teams they're all working remotely and you know they the new tools have had to been developed for you know re- remote workers uh and they've had to adjust their their workflows and pipelines and stuff to accommodate this virtual uh production if you will and uh so that's that's really how things are kind of moving along is is you know more to in the line of virtual production rather than you know in person production yeah, or or if they're not, you know, they're not going on to, you know, they're not going out to location shooting as much, um, you know, depending on what country has these issues uh, more than others, like India, I guess, is exploding right now. But, um, you know, I don't know how much is being shot there. But, you know, just those things you have to take into consideration now with, you know, the introduction of, you know, you know, we're going to talk about LED walls and the new technology to do, you know, a virtual you know, basically a virtual environment where you've got, um, you know, CGI rendered environments that you can um, adjust in real time. You can change the the sky, the colors, all the lighting on the, the actors is right there. You know, obviously Mandalorian, we talked about that in a previous uh, podcast, but those kind of things I think are going to explode in the future in the next couple of years because it, it allows you to be to um, control so many, so many of the things that you would normally not be able to in an, in actual uh, location with your actors and with, you know, weather and all that other junk. Right. Right. I agree. I agree. Well, you know, also the fact that, uh, well, for me, I, you know, I grew up watching Shrek and lethal weapon Indiana Jones. And I, you know, I have to wonder, you know, if I, if I'd grown up watching YouTube, you know, I'm not even sure I'd like, like movies, you know, (laughs) Well, yeah, I get that. I get that same feeling when when they when they're listening to the music on their phones. You know, it's really strange. My 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 kids. You know, they're they're in college now, but man, they listen to music and they don't know, you know, what real music sounds like out of a nice uh, high high. You know, Wi Fi, not Wi Fi, but high high fi. I guess what do they call it, man? Is it high fi? <laughs> High def, high def no, now maybe. I can't even remember, man. Oh, my brain's dead today. But anyway, yeah, like I think it was hi-fi because I remember lo-fi, hi-fi, um, stereo with massive speakers that are like four or five feet tall, you know, on a really nice turntable or, you know, reel-to-reel. 
you know, we'd hear music that was just uh, incredible. It was like you were right there and it was all analog and it just sounded really amazing um, compared to, you know, digital today, um, especially on their little phones. It sounds, you can't even get the, the, um, uh, the whole um, volume or you can't get the intricacies of all the sounds and everything. It just sounds not synthetic, but it doesn't sound like yeah, what, what we yeah. used to have. So. Yes, and with the younger audience, you know, you mentioned binge watching. When you know, when when people binge watch things, you know, my kids are really into Stranger Things. Um, it, it's really training them to expect, you know, a greater payoff from their investment of the time, and they, you know, they 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 are going to get something. But you know, if it's just an hour and or, or a two hour film, they they really don't want to invest, you know, two hours for for a small little payoff. And I, I'm really not sure that, uh, you know, creating two hour movies that that are kind of closed ended you know and i think that's kind of why they're doing a lot of sequels today is because they mm-hmm. they you know it's so expensive to create these these films that they they don't want to have a flop on their hands and so they that's why we're seeing a lot of the, a lot of uh uh remakes and uh uh you know reboots and right. and part you know part 1 part 2 uh kind of things where you know they have to it's almost like a guaranteed audience and they're really afraid to go and do those like you said artsy fartsy films because it's just not going to return return the, the money to them and so um we kind of got off track off of the virtual production but i i i really think that you know i i gotta wonder if movie theaters are going to make it at all i i just don't see them uh no i agree i agree honestly. i think they're just going to start closing down unless they can get a bunch of people in there because even if you're doing small amounts of crowds it's not going to work they're not going to make enough money um so what about what do you think about some of the influences of you know going forward the next couple of years about the influence of ai um you know ai is really really a, a powerful tool if it's used properly and i i know that uh AI was used in uh, creation of Ready Player One and Jungle Book, and uh, Blade Runner was was uh, helped quite a bit uh, the production. Uh, uh, and you know, as a matter of fact, Ready Player One uh, used AI uh, to combine the motion captured characters and and the virtual cameras or the the, the simul cams uh, with real time you know rendering. And, and you were talking about the virtual walls. Uh, you know, it, I think I think AI is, is going to is really you know, it's still kind of in its infancy, though. I mean, it, it hasn't really, um, you know, been used to its full potential yet. It's just it's really kind of starting out. Oh, for sure. I think it's I think it's really going to bring all those um, virtual production uh, method methodologies and and areas. Uh, you know, it's gonna ha- it's gonna do, it's gonna be the director. It's gonna it's gonna be the the uh, the train the conductor, if you will, to try to you know keep everything together because when you go, we move into the virtual production realm, you know, you've got, you know, huge files, you've got, uh, all these, all these different, um, you know, tools that you need, especially for just collaboration, you know, with, with people making these movies, they're not on set. So you have to have the ability to communicate and you have to have the ability to collaborate. You have to have the ability to, to, to really, um, to, to really, um, what am I trying to say? Uh, bring it together i mm-hmm. guess you know i mean it's 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 really challenging when you're not there in person you know because uh you know you can just you, like a director you can direct uh, people to do stuff but if that's when they're in person but if they're not not there it's it's you, you need new tools and, and new ways to to do that and that's where the the uh, virtual production techniques are coming in and where they're you know there's there's all sorts of new softwares that are coming out there's one called um 
a synolytic or, or something. And, and basically it's all that does is it, it handles the data. Mm-hmm. Um, and its sole purpose is to, to really just, uh, you know, kind of predict what resources are going to be need and needed in, in the production and how, uh, you know, how to put them together. So, yeah, I, I, was, I was actually doing research on some of the AI stuff as well. And it just, you know, finding out that I didn't realize how, how much it's being used currently um, by a lot of the studios um, for, you know, script writing all the way up to marketing. You know, I know that uh, one, for example, um, they're using uh, 20, I think it was 20th century Fox um, with, uh, you know, co- with uh, IBM Watson used uh, AI to produce a trailer for the sci-fi film uh, Morgan. And uh, that was used, uh, they used video and audio analysis, um, which Watson uh, identified the most powerful intention act, uh, pa- action-packed scenes, and um, basically created a trailer. Um, so I had never, I had looked at, I actually looked at the trailer earlier this week. Uh, pretty impressive that uh, they used that for that purpose. Um, then, of course, there's like software, like thing called ScriptBook, which, uh, screen scripts and uh, the claim is that it's it's 84 percent accurate in predicting if the story will be a hit or miss um there's also um you know israeli company called vault ml i guess it's a startup that uses ai to predict um, box office sales and they they claim a 75 percent accuracy for that and then there's also the boston-based pilot uh, movies um, that uses ai ai to predict gross short-term and long-term film gross revenues at least uh to a 70 percent accuracy so it's pretty interesting how they're using all those just for for the business business aspects not just in you know um doing vfx and you Mm -hmm. know creating you know digital humans or um things like that so it's pretty interesting and why why should it stop there i mean it's not too hard for me to imagine anyway a time where you know it doesn't take a creative genius or a script writer or a, or a director uh, to ensure the success of a you know a film. You know the AI is going to be predict you know predicting all of that stuff and using you know super algorithms to to because it knows what people like and what they don't like and what you know what there's kind of a formula that that it that's can be used you know to predict these kind of things and so you know a lot of a lot of people are saying well AI will never replace you know. The creative process, you know, um, but I, I have a feeling that you know the AI tech could make that creative process uh, obsolete at, at some point in the future. Um, yeah, well, that so. the AI, in, in, you know, working with uh, VR and and you know AR, um, I think could could be a uh, you know it's on the creative side of side of things. Uh, you know, audience preferences. Uh, I was just thinking about what you're saying and thinking about um, how you could use AI to, um, you know, real time you know, based on, you know, you, you, you know, for example, you could watch the film, um, you know, any action, name it, uh, action film. And instead of being, um, you know, just a passive person watching it, you could actually be participating in it. And based on your viewpoint, let's say in a truck or something, um, in, I think, uh, you know, the latest Mad Max, you could sit next to the, the, uh, the character in the actual truck and, um, you know, they could have some AI prediction in there where you, based on your your input or whatever you're doing, you can actually influence the the movie in which direction it goes and it arcs to a different spot or something. That that to me would be a, a really cool cool idea. Yes, and and I think you're right about that. I, and that is probably you know you you were asking you know there had to be some kind of new technology or what new technology. That's probably it where where the viewer has the ability to direct the 
the plot of the of the film they're watching. You know, they at certain decision points they can they can alter what the storyline is or what the ending is going to be. Uh, right. That, that's that's a that's a reasonable uh, thing, and I think that'd be very cool to see actually. Right. I know. In, in uh, you said Ready Player One. I know in that film they had a they had a, like a virtual butler, which it could be you know similar to a Siri. Where you're in there and you're in, you're in part of this thing and you're at, it's asking you can ask it questions and based on that it can change the storyline. I mean, I could see that in video games and I could also see it in in you know dynamic films. You know where that's a fully immersive thing where you're actually it's a it's not a just a short story or a long story format. It's it's an actual living story and you're part of it. I that, that's that's incredible. I, I'd love to see something like that. Um, you know, you were talking about. Uh, you know, digital actors and, 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 uh, we, you know, we had one of our recent podcasts was on deep fakes and, mm-hmm. you know, uh, it kind of makes you wonder with the way things are going, if Hollywood isn't going to, you know, just change out or, 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 or get rid of, uh, traditional actors in favor of, uh, digital actors. I mean, you know, uh, especially when, when, you know, these actors, it's, it's really kind of funny. Um, we think that, uh, you know, it's the it's the uh, story, you know. We we always talk about how story is king, and and mm-hmm. it really is. But you know, star power is just they 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 found. I've seen some some uh, read some stuff that where star power is is just as important as the story. You know, it's like it's how a uh, you know Vin Diesel or or um, uh, what's uh, what's his name, um, The Rock, uh, The Rock. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, you'll go and see a Rock movie because you like The Rock. You know, mm-hmm. and it doesn't matter what movie he's in. You you like the personality. You like that that uh, that character. So you know, and I think with with uh, you know the introduction of of digital actors, you know, you could have the Rock fifty years from now. You could have the Rock and and Will Smith in a movie together. Right. You know. Uh, so there's nothing. You know, I, I think that that's under under understated. And uh, you know, if we're if we you know. I, like isn't, there said, some, isn't there some? Isn't there some legal legal thing with uh, actors' faces and things like that? Isn't there some legal? Um, you can't use it. There. Well, it depends uh, on you know each each um, actor or each each Hollywood. You know they they have rights, and so those are all licensable. And so uh, you know for 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 uh, well, they can say yes or no. You know to that, and right. I would think that uh, you know a lot of you know whatever money you know is being saved, save not hiring the actor could you know, could, could be used to make the movie better. And so I understand the point of the Hollywood, but you know, you don't have to, you know, if you're, if you're, you know, like Keanu Reeves is, was digitally scanned for uh, some of his, you know, and they do that, especially for, for stunts. You know, if you need to do, you know, you need a stunt double, they don't even have to hire stunt doubles anymore. They just, they just scan the, the actor and put it on a CG character, right. you know, and, and, you know, uh, but an example of someone who, you know, uh, you know, Robin Williams, uh, he decided to pass on on getting his likeness and and his legacy and likeness, uh, you know, to be continued. He wouldn't even let people use his voice after he died. Uh, wow, wow, I didn't so, know. So you know, you you can you can protect your you know your likenesses and your in your digital self, I guess. But for most people, um, I th- I think at least most actors anyway, they want to be immortalized. And I think right, I would that would be the first thing I would license if I was an actor. Yeah, exactly. You know, exactly. especially at this point. I mean. I mean, with, even with the deep fake stuff that's going on, I mean, now you can create, um, you know, amalgams of, of different faces together where you've got, you know, Elon Musk mixed with uh, 
you know, somebody um, that's maybe an Asian Asian face or African American face or you know Me- Mexican eth- ethnicity, you can you can actually make a version of Elon that looks like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, imagine imagine an AI created actor where you know you you could say, okay, I want him to look like a mix of Ryan Reynolds and Arnold Schwarzenegger. Um, but I want him to be a different ethnicity and, um, you know, uh, you know, and then you can also say, okay, I want to have a, a voice that's, that's, um, uh, generated and I want it to be in this pitch and that. And so you just start doing, you know, mixing and matching things. And then, then you go ahead and create, um, you know, let's say you wanted to create, you have a, a motion capture database of moves and, and walks and all these other things. And then you use AI prediction, of motion matching that they've got that's coming up and another AI thing where it can do prediction of based on, you know, what you want to do. I'm talking, um, not only for film or for video games as well. Um, I mean, massive database of, of data wrangling and prediction. Um, you know, that, that to me is, is pretty cool. Um, I think of it more, not necessarily for the, the big larger studios, but maybe for, you know, somebody Mm -hmm. in the indie, you know, indie producers, I think that would be huge, you know, kind of, uh, you know, a, a available to you as, a, as an indie producer to, to create your own films and you have all this AI to help you. And a lot of these things are free um, yes, to do yes. this. You know, you, you buy a drone, you know, with 4K, you've got software that can stabilize your video. You've got all this AI stuff out there um, that can help you do these things, um, you well, know. And the deep fakes, you know, you could be the actor and then you just throw, a, an, you know, someone else's face on. Or, or you don't even use the likeness of the person that, that actually has, you know, maybe in the future you've got somebody, like I said, that looks like a couple of different people. And you just mix it together and you generate somebody who's not doesn't even exist because there's a website that actually has people that, you, that don't even exist. That's, that's true. I think we mentioned that in one of our previous podcasts. Actually. Yeah, and, it, uh, and you can't tell the difference. That. I mean, I can't, um, and I'm pretty visually savvy. Yes, and you were mentioning game engines. Uh, you know, game, game engines are the tool that really enables all this virtual production to really take place. Uh, you know, there, there are so many necessary components and, the, and, and you have to integrate, you know, all these things that I was speaking of earlier. And, you know, if, if you know, you were talking about uh, films that were made on, you know, using virtual sets and the, the LCD screens, the, mm-hmm. the background, and those are all driven. LED, LED. Game, I'm sorry, LED. Right. Uh, those are all driven uh by the game engines, right. I mean, Mandalorian is 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 a great example of that. Uh, you know, uh, Ripple Effect uh, is another one. Um, it's basically you know, it uses game development software, mm-hmm. um, so that it just combines all those elements of virtual reality and, like you said, augmented reality and you know the the, the CG with you know live action uh, actors and and uh, props on the set. Yeah, it's really interesting is there's uh, there's also uh, I was doing some research earlier this week uh, for this podcast and I didn't realize that, that uh, Paramount Pictures working one of, with one of the makers of the film Gravity with Sandra Bullock um, spent some money on a technique that has the ability to capture any film scene um, in this massive dome array. Uh, it's basically a huge soundstage um, that's all green and it has over a hundred cameras, HD high definition cameras. And so you, it, you shoot us, let's say an action scene that they had shown uh, of, of a bunch of people on horses and they're fighting. And, and this thing was capturing it from all these different angles on the ground, different angles on the top above them everywhere. And that data then was fed through a fiber optic cable. And then they, it was uh, stitched together 
um, into a point cloud. At that point, um, which is really interesting, the the action then can be watched from any angle in the view the the viewer desires. So any of the directors can start putting the cameras in there and just launching it through there. And then at the end of that, they would use. Um, they didn't say specifically what the VFX uh, techniques they were using, but they'd use uh, VFX to stitch everything together and relight the scenes yeah. um, and put it all together in an in HD video. Um, you know, no suits, no motion capture, but you have the video in this massive uh, point cloud. But hmm. the only problem with that, you know, that I see, you know, they, they, were, they were saying it's, it's 10 petabytes of storage that was needed or they have the capability of putting that much. And that's like 133 years of HD video. Um, right, right. You know, it was interesting. I was looking at it, um, and I and I I don't know if it holds up, cl- and when you're too close to the characters, if it's a little bit further back, I think it'll work. That's why I think when you're talking about the the LED screens with the new virtual production, doing that, that's going to be, in my view, that's going to be the one that works the best. Um, I don't I don't see the volumetric video captures being the one that's going to win out, almost like. Betamax versus uh, VHS or uh, versus um, uh, what was it? Uh, gosh, what do we use now? What was it? Uh, VHS. It was Sony versus who? Uh, Betamax. Right. But what were the or two VH, formats? V, v, VHS and, be, and beta. Was or, it just VHS and beta? Okay, because I was going to say that. So. Okay, gosh, man. Yeah, I, yeah. uh, I got to get more sleep. Yeah, it's definitely apparent that uh, that standard, you know, tools, movie making tools are, are no longer really going to be applicable. You know, you, they did for one thing, they don't offer the speed or flexibility that these new virtual production tools and onset workflows uh, offer. And I, I, I'm of the opinion that virtual production really has, you know, endless possibilities for the future of movie making. Yeah, I know we're we're. We're getting to the end of this, and, and I really wanted to talk more about, um, you know, things that I had in my mind about um, what I thought would be awesome for, you know, aug- augmented rooms with uh, VR and everything else. Gosh, I had so many things in my mind that I wanted to talk about. Um, we'll have to do it again, and we'll have to do a part two of this one and, and hopefully uh, get into more details. Yeah, I, you know, I was thinking, you know... Uh, you know about the the evolution of movie making, and you know the first generation of movie making was was creating movies that lasted about two hours and were were generally designed to be watched. You know, in a single sitting, you go to the movie theater and you watch the two hour movie and and you leave. Uh, then I started thinking about well, the next you know the, what was the second generation? It was television based um, um, shows, and it was generally designed to be watched in in you know shorter one hour chapters. Um, I think with the with the lack of you know, atten- you know, the attention span of, of, of a lot of people these days, especially, uh, you know, when, when they're watching so much uh, video on their phones and stuff, they, they, they don't really care about how movie making has traditionally been. Right. And uh, I think the third generation will probably be a combination of both of these to kind of cater to the people, you know, that are they're used to watching a binge and uh, on their cell phones. And I, I in my opinion, uh, they're going to try to tell, you know, two hour stories and chapters that are maybe seven to 10 minutes long, you know, basically, you know, long form content and little small bite sizes. I, I think that that may be the way to go, uh, at least for the for the short term. Yeah, I agree. Well, hey, um, we're wrapping this thing up. So any any uh, any last words that you have? Um, you know, that that's really it, Sean. Um, you know, I. I, I mean, we could talk about this thing for about an, for another hour. I mean, there's so many things we did not cover in this podcast, so I, I think we're going to need to 
come up with another podcast to, just to cover some of those. But uh, we we hope you you liked our discussion today as we uh, answered um, answered this question and. Um, you know, where is filmmaking headed the next two years? And, and thanks for being part of our discussion today. And you know, we talked about how COVID-19 has uh, impacted the movie making industry and how this has changed how movie making is done. And we also discussed how virtual production is kind of taking over the movie making process and and uh, some of the virtual production methods that are being used today. Um, you also learned some fascinating facts about, you know, AI and how that's used in virtual production uh, that maybe you we're hoping that you weren't aware of and, and uh, how game engines are really taking over the heavy lifting in this area. So if you found this podcast uh, useful and you liked it and it was valuable to you, we'd love for you to do us a favor and, and share it with your friends. Uh, we do a podcast every week just for you. And we, we cover things related to creating CG and 3d animation and digital effects, as well as a lot of other interesting subjects. And we appreciate you being here with us. Uh, if you've got a question that you'd, like to hear us address in one of our podcasts, just let us know by leaving a comment in the section below. Or if you can uh, head to the Ask Us Anything uh, page, uh, you can submit your submit your question there like uh, DeAndre did. Awesome. You know, also, if you're watching this podcast on YouTube, be sure to hit the like button and subscribe. If you're new to the podcast, be sure to click the bell so you'll be notified as soon as we publish our next podcast. Oh, and be sure to check out our YouTube channel where we feature the best in 3D animated films, uh, short films and new media producers around the world uh, with lots of VFX uh, as well. We're also broadcasting the audio version of this podcast on all major podcast platforms as well. And uh, both of us are looking forward to seeing you back yeah. here for next week's podcast episode 2119. We'll be answering the question, what is map painting and how is it used? You know, that discussion will be quite interesting as I'm a real fan of map painting and and background replacements. So oh, yeah. That's that'll be a lot of fun. Yeah, fascinating. So we'll see you then. That's it for today. We hope you've enjoyed the CG Bros answer to the question, where is movie making headed in the next two years? Thanks for being with us. If you're watching on YouTube or other social media, please give us a like and make a comment. If you haven't yet subscribed, please hit the subscribe button and ring the bell so you'll be notified when we post our next podcast. You can listen to our podcasts on SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, Audible.com, and Stitcher. If you are listening on Spotify, you can now share the podcast to Facebook, Twitter, and Tumblr with the share link. That's the circle with the three dots in it. You can contact us on our website at thecgbros.com and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, Tumblr, and Instagram. Oh, and don't forget to tell all your friends about this podcast series and be sure not to miss the next episode when the CG Bros will answer the question, what is math painting and how is it used? This has been episode 2118 of the CG Bros CG Insider Podcast. See you next time.